Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. I want to give God thanks this morning for this opportunity to meet with you uh, around his word, and we are indeed thankful <clears throat> that we have the privilege of having the word of God with us in these evil days. Uh, Paul writes, uh, redeeming the the times because the days are evil. You and I live within the context of the great reset. We see what is going on in the economy. We see inflation uh, that is that has moved in and uh, is hurting many families. And uh, there are even talks about hyperinflation uh, that will be coming down upon us. <clears throat> Excuse me. And along with inflation and hyperinflation, uh, some have predicted the crash of the housing market. Um, so, and there's talk of uh, a conflict uh, between Russia and Ukraine. You have seen what is going on in Canada. Uh, and so uh, many pressing issues uh, are afoot. And so as the saints of God, um, we are exposed to these events and uh, please understand that one cannot afford to have a, a passive uh, attitude with regard to these events. So uh, it is imperative uh, as believers that, that we pray. We pray for our government. We pray for the believing community. We pray for those who are not yet believers. We pray for ourselves. We pray for those who have been solely afflicted by what is going on. Um, you know what is going on in, Can- uh, in Canada. Once again, in Canada, what is going on in Australia. Uh, people who have been uh, hurt uh, by the vaccine mandates. So... We live in interesting times. And so as believers, we have the assurance of the presence of the Spirit of God with us. Uh, If God be for us, who can be against us? It is in these situations that our faith uh, is tested. 
also it is within the context of what we face that I want to discuss with you this morning uh, the imperative nature of knowing, of learning, and of learning the word of God. Jesus is the bread of life. We must constantly feed upon the person of Jesus. How, well, how does one do that? Well, as a believer, we feed upon Jesus by through feeding upon his word. Jesus is the word of life. We must drink living waters, and Jesus is living waters for us, for thirsty souls, for souls that are parched. He is our living water. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so we have hope in him. He is the resurrection. He is our life. He is our zoe, our life. That is the word that is used in the Greek New Testament for eternal life, zoe, Z-O-E. Jesus is our eternal life. It is a term which means the highest blessedness of the creature, the highest blessedness of the creature. And so we have this life through Christ, our Savior. We are, we have, we're being pressed down upon by arrogant and malevolent social philosophies. Not merely socialist, socialist, not mere socialism, not mere communism, but uh, social philosophies uh, that not only seek to oppress, but to distress to the breaking point our our society and our culture. If you would read first. And Second Thessalonians, uh, those two letters, uh, which we believe are the first letters or writings of Paul, address address such a situation. So our situation is unique in that uh, we are within the situation, but there are believers in the first century who were equally. Uh, sorely distressed as we are. And we must understand that the word of God has been given to us so that we would we will be strengthened thereby. So I'm going to keep on insisting on 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 prayerful study and prayerful reading of the Word of God. Now, this morning's message is entitled, uh, To Atheists and Agnostics, Every Knee Will Bow and Tongue Confess Jesus as Lord. Now, I understand that behind the evil machinations of, of men 
and uh, and women uh, who want to hurt and and see ruin uh, in the lives of others that they are motivated, they are energized, or they are demon energized. Demons are real. Unclean spirits are real. Uh, the devil or diabolos uh, is real. The uh, word devil is from the Greek diabolos, which means uh, to pierce through, to pierce through. And so the devil is one who pierces through. That is, he is one who divides people for no reason. Devil. Diabolos. He is not uh, a mere philosophical presence. He is not a mere uh, malevolent idea. The devil is real. He is the Satan. He is our adversary. He is our 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 opponent uh, in a law case. He is our opponent. So uh, we must be aware that uh, the names that are that denote the devil uh, are indicative of uh, of essence or essential character and. Jesus, in some uh, religious philosophies, Jesus and the devil are said to be kin. And these philosophies seek to extinguish or make light of uh, the, the, the deity of Jesus. Uh, the devil or Satan is not deity. He is he is a created entity. He was Lucifer, son of the morning. And we read about his fall in the Old Testament. Please read Isaiah. Please read Ezekiel. You will read about uh, the son of the morning. In Genesis 3, uh, the devil appears as the, as the Nakash. The shining one. And uh, you know what happens in Genesis 3 with regard to the first home. The first home invasion was of the devil. And Jesus had warned the Adam in Genesis 2 to guard his home. Let me say to men today who are believers, you must guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. If you do not guard your heart from pornography, from the things that are used in this culture to denigrate who you are uh, in Christ as a man, then you're going to be in danger. And you cannot effectively guard your home. In Old Testament theology, uh, the the husband uh, is the, he, he provides the boundaries, the walls, 
of for the family. And the wife is the one who brings the dynamic content for the family. So both are essential. The husband, the father, uh, the wall is essential for the family unit. The mother, the wife is the one who, once again, who provides the dynamic content of the home. Why do you think the enemy has sought to destroy, that is to tear us under the fabric of the home in Western culture? No nation, or let me put it this way, a nation is only as strong as the families therein. So two years ago, believers were told that they could no longer meet for church because of the planned demic. These malevolent individuals know that the believing community is strong. And so they seek and have sought to tear us under <clears throat> that commitment, that strength to weaken believing communities. Understand the social engineering that is going on in our day. The social engineering that seeks to uproot, upset, create endless stress for the believing community. So we must go to the word of God. Jesus said, in me you have peace. In me you have peace. This exhortation that I'm providing this morning uh, is, is very practical in nature because <clears throat> it comes from the word. Persons who are behind uh, the engineered misery that they have inflicted upon uh, this culture are atheists and agnostics. I might even say radical atheists. And as Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, there is no fear of God before their eyes. There is no fear of God. For believers, we know that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We must be wise uh, in this age. We must be wise in these times. But these people have no fear of God. And we, in the book of Revelation, we read about the, the blasphemy of the man of sin and how he blasphemes God. He blasphemes the saints. He blasphemes heaven. Uh, to blaspheme means to rail again. 
it means to uh, it is is a it means to literally to stand against the life of another. And when the people whom God had redeemed out of Egypt uh, heard and received in their hearts the evil report that were brought brought back from by some of the spies, uh, their report, their reconnaissance, blasphemed or, or uh, destroyed the character of God. They slandered God. And so that is why this, this is such a terrible and serious term, to slander. In the Old Testament means once again, to stand against the life of another, either God or man, is a very, very serious and egregious sin. The atheists and the agnostics, the atheists say there is no God. So we take the word theist, which means one who believes in God, and then we place an A or an alpha. Uh, we call, call it the alpha privative before uh, the word theist. Then we have atheist. We say no God. The psalmist says that the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. So this individual is untethered in his negative and egregious ethos towards others. The agnostic says, uh, is from the word, uh, word, a Greek word that means ignorance. The agnostic says that he knows that he, that he cannot know God. He knows that he does not know. It is a very interesting uh, epistemology. Agnoia, agnostic, the knower who knows that he cannot know. There is an inherent contradiction that we dare not investigate during this uh, broadcast. So, I'm going to be reading from Luke 9. Luke 9. Luke 9, verse, I'm going to start at verse 22. Quote, saying, and this is Jesus, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. He said to them all, if any will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake the same shall save it. 
For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. So, I want you to note in these verses the use of mercantile terms by Jesus. Gain, lose, find, or forfeit, and exchange. And in no uncertain terms, the cross is the destiny of Jesus because it was the will of the Father. So, in verse 22, once again, we read uh, Jesus saying, the Son of Man, that is, he is God's representative man. He is God's ideal man. The first Adam, if you would read Paul's letter to the Romans, the first Adam, uh, who was the federal head of the race, um, sent against God. And he was warned by and by by God, uh, dying thou shalt die. We read that God breathed into his nostrils, that is the first Adam, the breath of lies, the breath, uh, plural in Hebrew, and man became a living soul. But through sin, through deliberate, willful disobedience, uh, first Adam brought in death. He died through sin. The second Adam is the Lord of glory. He is the Son of Man. He is God's ideal man. And in uh, Romans 8, Paul elucidates, that we will be glorified. We will be conformed to the image of the Son. John writes in First John that, uh, beloved, we don't know what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him with perception. We shall see him with perception as he is in his essence, his glorified body, our wonderful Lord, So the Son of Man must suffer many things. Uh, And here it is. It is the present indicative. This word must, M-U-S-T, in Greek is day, D-E-I. This word day is, is often used in the New Testament. It is a very important term. Day means it is necessary in the nature of the case. It is necessary in the nature of the case. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain. He was murdered and be raised the third day. And then after 
he utters this poignant statement, he goes on and makes a statement in verse 23 about discipleship. And he said to them all, if any will come after me, let him deny himself. Here's the essence of biblical discipleship. Here's the essence of discipleship as noted by our Lord Jesus Christ. Let him deny himself. Uh, So we have these words, uh, deny is in the aorist imperative. The aorist means at a point in time, an event took place at a point in time. Imperative means to do it at once. So we have an er- the aorist imperative here given by our Lord. Let him deny himself. Paul writes in Galatians 2.20 that Paul wrote about the crucifixion of the flesh. He wrote, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. The word Therefore, I, the pronoun I, is Greek ego, E-G-O, or ego as some some would say. But I am crucified with Christ. Discipleship, according to the word of God, does not happen in the life of a professed believer until that event takes place, the crucifixion of the flesh. And Paul never writes about the crucifixion of the old sin nature uh, because that term is not found in in the manuscripts. Paul writes about the crucifixion of the flesh. I am crucified with Christ. The flesh is crucified so that the believer can live fully as unto the Lord. For whosoever will save his life will lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Verse 26. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, for whosoever shall be ashamed of me, of my words. Oh. And Paul writes in Romans 1 that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. And as we go on in Luke chapter 9, we have the transfiguration. So in verse 27 of Luke 9, Jesus says, quote, But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter, James, and John and went up into a mountain to pray. 
And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, that is, fashion of his face. And his raiment, that is, his clothing, was white and glistening. So, and behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah. So, we have Elijah. Uh, And uh, Elijah is transfigured. I mean, he is translated. And uh, it is very, very powerful. His ministry uh, was was a force during his time. And Elijah represents those who enter the kingdom by rapture. And Moses represents those who enter the kingdom through death. And we read, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, remember, Moses died. He could only see the promised land. He could not enter the promised land. Dot, 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 at that time. And we read that the Lord buried him. He could only see, but he could not enter into the promised land. And here, uh, Moses has entered into the promised land. Isn't God wonderful? Who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, let me give you this word deceased in Greek. It is E-X-O-D-O-N. E-X-O-D-O-N. Let me read the English again. Who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Luke uses, and the Greek does not use the word deceased, his, he uses the word exodon. It is exodus. E-X-O-D-U-S. His exodus. Isn't God amazing? His exodus. And I wanted to provide some background for what I want to uh, discuss later on with you. Um In verse 51, this is Luke 9, we read, quote, And it came to pass that when the time had come that he should be received up, that is speaking of our Lord, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, the words he steadfastly set his face is a Hebrew idiom. Uh, it, It is used nine times in Ezekiel, and it is from the word, Sterizo, S-T-E-R-I-Z-O, Sterizo, from the word sterex, uh, a support. It means to set fast, to set fast, or or it means to fix Jesus with fixedness of purpose in the face of difficulty and danger. Set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
autos, he himself, with fixedness of purpose in the face of difficulty and danger. Mark 10.32 notes the look on his face. He steadfastly says, to accomplish the will of the Father. Jesus went to Jerusalem in the face of difficulty and danger on our behalf. See, he is destroying the kingdom of the devil. He is destroying the kingdom of the devil and the ruin that the devil has brought into God's creation. Jesus is collapsing that kingdom of evil and sin and darkness and ruination. In the volume of the book, it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. In the face of difficulty and danger, Jesus fixes his face to go to Jerusalem. Three times Luke mentions Jesus making his way to Jerusalem, 951, 1322, and 1711. Pass, and this is Luke 9, uh, verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air nets, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. The father, spellsfully, had not yet died, but wait until the father had died. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but... Let me first, notice, let me first, let me first go and bid them farewell which are at home in, at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So the first case, we is that of an individual uh, who wants to follow Jesus out of uh, inconsiderate impulse. The second is that of completing duties. Uh, and the third is that of a divided mind a divided mind. Discipleship is reduced to the level of human or uh, under human terms. 
Let me first, Lord. First you must do this and then do that. Discipleship is no longer discipleship, but a program of our own to be arranged to suit ourselves. And if you note before, the attitude of Jesus. Note the attitude of men. Note their belief that the things of God are not imperative in nature. You don't have to uh, be so serious about the things of God. And this, that very attitude is why so many individuals uh, find themselves unsuccessful in their, in their relationship with the Lord. Because they want discipleship to be all about them and what they want to do and how they see their lives. And you immediately note in these statements that the flesh has not been crucified. On the other hand, There is a struggle that some believers experience, but then they submit eventually to the irrevocable nature of the calling of God. The gifts and calling of God are not unto repentance. God does not say, okay, since you have these things to do, then I will search for another. That is not divine strategy. That is man. That is their thinking. When the angel appeared unto Miriam, or unto, that is Mary, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. And she would be impregnated with that holy thing, that holy seed, uh, for whom there is no human biological classification. The Lord Jesus Christ was deposited. He was uh, of the Holy Spirit, but he was deposited deposited into the womb of Mary. For nine months she carried him. So uh, we have uh, the virgin conception followed by the virgin birth. We have the kenosis. We have this the self emptying of God of Christ, who was robed not in falling human flesh, but in perfect human flesh. In Philippians, Paul writes, "This is Philippians two five. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, morphe, the outward form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, and took upon him the outward form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We see that he, wanted, he completed the will of the Father. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name. The Greek has the name and given him the name which is above every name. In the name of Jesus, literally, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And then Paul goes on, in verse 12, he writes, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Unquote. So, the death of Jesus completed death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus completed God's plan of salvation for us. When Jesus shouted, it is finished from the cross, he meant just that. It is finished, a finished salvation. He died on our behalf. He died for us. He died for you and me. He went through death. He suffered the sins of every human being. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him or into him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is what God did for us. And God is not going to countenance anyone who tramples on the foot the blood of the Son of God. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Those who love God and those atheists and agnostics who did not want to believe in God, they will bow before him because Jesus, because of what he has done, God has made him Lord of all. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.